Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. So I am really um, excited about today's topic because I have been learning so much over the last several years about a lot of different topics, but I think the one that's been the most impactful uh, thing that I've learned over the last few years is how, you know, how we're designed in our body. And, you know, I talk about this a lot, but I'm I'm always going to talk about this because it's been so impactful for me and I've seen so many people change. So I'm always going to talk about how our emotions and our body are linked to the subconscious. Um, and so I've been learning so much about this the last couple of years that I just can't stop talking about it. <laughs> and I think it's good for me to not uh, stop talking about it because this is something that's a real problem in our society. So the topic today I want to discuss is about pushing away difficult emotions and how it keeps you stuck. So what does that look like when we push away difficult emotions? Um, It can look like us feeling a sensation in our body that feels uncomfortable. And instead of getting curious, open, loving, and accepting about that feeling in our body, we distract ourselves. I I remember specifically some years ago, probably about six or seven years ago, I was going through something really, really difficult. And instead of allowing myself to feel the weight of the pain that I was experiencing, I got really busy. And and to be honest, that's really what I was taught to do. Get busy, clean your house, pull the weeds outside. There's so many things that you could be doing other than sitting and feeling the pain of the situation that you're experiencing. And I think that we do this. We we don't want to feel those uncomfortable feelings in our body. However, really, we can't avoid that. Yes, we well, we can't avoid it. Excuse me. We can try to avoid it, but the feelings come back up in our body. The sensations come back up. The we may not be aware of it at all times, but we definitely at a certain point will feel some low level of pain in our body and our body will alert us. Now, even if we've been doing things to avoid feeling that, you know, such as like the example I gave you by staying busy um, so we don't have to deal with it, it's like with that, we may not feel the full extent of the pain in our body, the emotional pain that's being alerted to us. We may not feel that, but we do feel it to an extent. And so how do we cope with that when we're not facing and feeling what's happening inside? You know, that is determined by each person. For me, it was keeping busy and eating a lot of cookies and sugar. 
because it gives you dopamine hits. You know, eating eating something that is tasty will give your brain a dopamine hit. And then you build this like neural pathway that, oh, whenever that feeling comes up in my body, that discomfort, whatever it is that's, you know, doesn't feel like something that I want to address, I will go back and I will get my chocolate, my chocolate toffee. <laughs> and I will get a dopamine hit off of that. But the really crazy thing about that is, so then I won't necessarily feel the pain that caused me to go and get that chocolate toffee. I won't, I won't be in touch with that anymore. But then I'll have this other part of me that shows up that shames me then for eating that chocolate toffee and tells me other things like, you know, oh, it's, you know, I'm going to get fat or you're going to get fat or you're going to, you're not, you're so out of control. You see, like it's, and this is how we get stuck because we're not facing and feeling the first alert that came in our body, the first pain that was showing up. So then we end up giving ourselves pain in another way. And I, I've found that with people who are in addiction. They're, the initial pain that they're not facing and feeling, they numb with whatever they're addicted to, right? So then after they do the numbing, whatever the substance or behavior is, then they have another part of them that will literally shame them for the behavior that they did to numb. And it's a cycle that we get stuck in because we're not facing and feeling um, anything really that's happened. And the, and the really interesting thing about this is if we were to slow down with the initial pain that we're feeling. So whatever is going on, maybe you're, maybe you're somewhere and you know, a trigger came up and you don't, you're, you're feeling this discomfort in your body. You're feeling that anxiety. And by the way, you guys, anxiety isn't a primary emotion. I may have mentioned that before. I'll probably mention it again. Anxiety is not a primary emotion. It's a surface emotion. We have primary emotions. And when we're not in touch with our primary emotions, then we have these surface level emotions that are kind of like defenses and they, they keep us from really getting in touch with that core emotion that we are feeling and experiencing in our body. And so how we get stuck is by not becoming curious with what's happening in our body. And, and, and it's hard because it does hurt and nobody wants to feel discomfort in their body. Nobody wants to have to revisit whatever it was that caused that pain in the first place. Of course, like if you were a rape victim or molested, or maybe you're a parent left you, I can guarantee you right now, those that are listening, as I'm even saying that your body, if you haven't dealt with that pain, 
your body is actually being triggered right now. Because our body has memory. It's incredible. Our body will not allow us not to feel it. It is a beautiful gift for us to be able to recognize with an alert system in our body when something is off. It's, it's how we can get to those subconscious issues. It's how we can find the root. You know how many times people will say, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, if we just slowed everything down and we got in touch with what our body is doing when we talk about different subjects, like, like right now, as I'm saying to you, like, you know, different traumas and pains. What does that, what does that bring up for you in your body? Is there anxiety that's happening here? You know, and where do you feel it? When, when we're curious about that and we don't go to a numbing behavior, behavior or escaping behavior, we can heal so much quicker. I've, some of my clients, I've seen them, if, if they can pull back some of those defense mechanisms, you know, like laughing, laughing it off, or um, which is a defense mechanism, or um, even sometimes explosive anger is a defense mechanism. So we're not facing and feeling those deeper pains. Um, when I've had clients who don't come in those defense mechanisms, you guys, they can heal something in 15 minutes, something that's really, really painful and deep. Now, there is onion layers to it. If if something has been pushed away for so long, it's like an onion that you're pulling different layers back and you're trying to get to the core because there's been so many onion layers piled on top of it that it's really difficult to get to the main source of pain. And again, you know, there is no shame in this. There is no shame in defense mechanisms. Like those are very, very useful parts of us. And they're there because they wanted to protect us when we were little. And we get used to them. And they worked for us to an extent to keep us from having to feel the weight of pain when we were too little to be able to process. But when we get older, and we still use defense mechanisms, it actually keeps us from connection. And that's what we're all longing for. We're all longing for connection. So when you think about wanting connection and being out of touch with yourself and being stuck in a cycle, how can you really, number one, get unstuck and then build connection. And you can't when you're in a cycle of covering up pain. We can't let people really know the pain that's going on inside of us when we're out of touch with it ourselves. So some of the ways that I've seen people being stuck is really not having separation from other people. They just kind of take 
advice and they listen to that and they go off that and that becomes gospel for them. And I've seen this a lot in the Christian church, and this isn't going to be a bashing session, but just to bring something to, to your awareness. I grew up in uh, a Christian home and you hear a lot of things in the church because of certain scriptures, right? Like, um, you know, be anxious for nothing. And um, whenever basically we fear, there's this spirit of fear that we need to be concerned about. And so we take them so literal, like these scriptures, we're taking them so literal and we're applying it to people that if they have anxiety or fear, that it's because of a lack of faith. And so what we end up doing is we end up shaming people because they don't have the faith, quote unquote, to not have fear or to not have anxiety. And what that's done to us as a people is really diminish our humanity. Individually, we are complex. I think of the heart as so complex. It's like a, you know, city with tunnels and hidden things and you know, there's so much to our heart that's so complex that when we come to people, especially with religious responses, and we cookie cutter them, when we come to them and, and say they should respond a certain way to anxiety or fear or, or whatever the emotion is, like to say that they don't have faith and shame them is to really not understand the complexity of the heart. We don't know what has caused somebody to be anxious. We don't know the deeper story. In fact, most people don't even know the deeper story about themselves. So it's become a real issue for a lot of people. And then you have that real toxic positivity. Like, no, you just need to, you just need to think positive. If I think positively, then it will go away. Or if I think positively, then I won't have to, you know, I won't have to deal with this. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, I should just think positive about this. Or there's always something to be grateful for. Or to say to somebody, well, at least you have this. When they're, they're actually grieving something else. You know, like, I, like, I don't know, let's just give an example. Like, let's say, let's say my daughter was grieving about wanting a, a better bike. Let's say her bike is crummy and trashy and yeah, it works, but she'd like to have a nicer one. And if she came to me and said, I wish I had a, a better bike. I wish I had a nicer bike. I wish I had a bigger bike. And my response to her would be, well, at least you have a bike. Yeah, I know it's trashy, but at least you have one. What I'm doing is I'm minimizing her personal experience 
which signals to her, number one, that I'm not safe for her to process her emotions with. And number two, that she is wrong for having those emotions and I'm shaming her for that and that she should just be grateful. Well, of course, gratitude is wonderful. But the reality is when she goes outside on her bike again, she is going to feel that same emotion of disappointment, maybe sadness as a core emotion, maybe even disgust that her bike is like junky. She'll have that same emotion come right back up. So by me saying to her, well, at least you have a bike, that actually doesn't help her to feel connected. What it does is it pushes her into aloneness, that she will not be able to come to me with other things that might even be more severe than the bike situation. I hope this is making sense to you. So if I, if she was in this situation as a young person, then when there's bigger situations, will she say to herself, well, at least I have this. Like, let's say she gets older and she has a boyfriend and the boyfriend decides he doesn't want a relationship with her anymore. And I say to her, well, at least you had a boyfriend. Come on, it's such BS to respond to people like this. I'm getting triggered. <laughs> but I mean, let's be real. And you know where I'm getting triggered? I can tell you this right now because it's an injustice. It, I have disgust. That's my core emotion. I have disgust over how we have taught people to turn it positive. Really what we're doing is we're saying to that person, um, actually don't value your authentic emotions. I don't value your authentic self and I can't handle your authentic experience. That's what we're doing when we tell somebody a positive when they're experiencing somebody negative. And this is how we get stuck. And I think that we grow up like this. We grow up with that toxic positivity, that toxic faith, passive aggressive shaming somebody because, you know, they aren't, they don't have enough. We consider them to not have enough faith, to not have anxiety and fear. However, like God, actually wired us to experiencing to experience those things and when when anxiety shows up if we teach people or our children that that they have a lack of faith when they're having anxiety we're actually missing a piece here because anxiety is an alert to us that something needs attention. When we tell somebody to push the anxiety away by positivity or go read your Bible and pray, put worship music on. Yes, for that moment, that person might actually get a moment of relief. But when the same thing comes up again that is causing anxiety, 
in the first place and they feel that in their body, what are they going to do? They're going to do an avoidance strategy instead of staying with it and being curious about what's happening inside of them. And that's when we get stuck in a loop. That's when we do what's called a push strategy. We push away the discomfort instead of getting curious with it, bringing that into relationship. We've been taught not to bring it into relationship because when we do bring it into relationship, we get that, you know, you're not, we get the shame. You know, you're not, you don't have enough faith that, you know, like you shouldn't be feeling like that. Something's wrong with you. And, you know, when we're in that other side, when we're the person that is shaming somebody, we're not in touch ourselves. We're actually really unhealthy. And I can guarantee you that if you look into the lives of people that are throwing spins on it like that, that they themselves are in a stuck cycle as well. They're either extremely busy all the time. And if they take a moment to sit and relax, they probably have to get up and get busy again because they start to feel the weight of the pain. Or maybe they're eating overeating as a way to cope. Or maybe they have addictions as a way to cope. You see, when we, when we don't actually sit with what's going on in our body and our emotions, we actually have to do something else to cope. So I ask you, where are you at? And what do you think it would be like to get out of that stuckness? to not have the need to cope, but just be able to sit with the hard emotions with another person who's safe and unravel this baby. Like, unravel it. What would that be like? From my experience, and I feel emotional talking about this because it's so, it's been such an impactful thing for me and for my clients to actually sit with someone and unravel and unpack those deep, dark, maybe thoughts, beliefs, pains, and somebody to track with you and love you through it, not give advice, just being curious with you. It's empowering. I have a friend recently who was just telling me that she wasn't in touch with her anger and she hasn't been in touch with her anger ever. And she said when she did get in touch with that and somebody gave her a safe place to just unleash it, you guys, she was like, I like that girl. 
that person who is strong and has a voice and knows that they're worthy of a voice. This is a space of vocal boundaries that was completely shut down for whatever reason. And really, the story, the all the reasons that she had to shut that down didn't matter as much as her experience, what she experienced in her body of that shutdown. Like the reason for her personally, why she shut down was a huge uh, understanding for her, like why is good, but we don't have to know the why we we do what we do what we can do is experience it in our body and allow that to be and our body will actually lead the way if we allow it it's a beautiful thing to be a whole person when we can honor all the parts of us, we get freedom. And I just remember my friend telling me this story of her being in touch with that anger and and experiencing it. And as she was describing how she felt like she loved that part of her, I, you guys, I cried. Because I knew that a part of her was completely locked away. It was dismissed. It was told it wasn't good for some reason. And how beautiful it was to experience anger justly. And to have that be processed with a safe person. How beautiful that is. Yeah, and anger is another emotion that we've been told is bad because we're not supposed to go to sleep angry. It's, it's so much more complex than just reading something literally and taking it as gospel, like I was saying earlier. But when we get curious with our anger and we get curious with our anxiety and we get curious, we just get curious. We can actually undo a lot of stuckness. And so as I close today, I just want to invite you. If you find yourself in these cycles, reach out for help. I know it's scary. It's absolutely scary. I validate that. That's what I do for a living. I validate the fact that it's scary to bring your true authentic pain, thoughts, disgust, whatever it is into relationship. We don't want to be known because we're fearful of rejection. But what I've seen more than anything is when people bring really, really hard, scary topics into relationship, 
they actually find acceptance. And I mean real acceptance because nobody can really accept you unless you're fully known. They can accept a part of you, but they can't really accept all of you unless you're fully known. And of course, not everybody needs to know all of your gory details. I'm just talking about building relationships, real authentic relationships with people that you want to build it with. And not putting on your best self. It's BS. All of us have hidden things that need to be revealed so we can heal and get out of the stuck cycle. Just doing things on repeat and not knowing why we're doing it. And how we do that is by being curious with our body, our emotions, and bringing all of that into relationship with a safe person who's not going to shame us for the emotions that we're experiencing or the body sensations that we're experiencing, but by somebody getting curious, loving, validating, mirroring us, and empathizing with us. Thanks for listening.